Welcome again to another episode of Kingdom Concepts. We're so blessed to have you in the studio with us today. I am so excited about these next few episodes because I have one of my favorite preachers and teachers of the Word of God in the studio with me today, Dr. Daryl Rogers. I tell people this is one of the smartest guys that I know. Amen. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and it's interesting how God caused our past to come together back in like 98. And here we are today serving in the same church and, and building the kingdom and working with the same people. And uh, I'm just so privileged and honored to call you one of my best friends. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to be able to do today. Now, you got to make me sound really good to the people now. Yeah. That's going to be work. <laughs> You've been talking to my wife. Yeah, yeah I have, have it too. <laughs> um, you know, how long have you been doing ministry now, Doc? Since 1980. 1980. And you deserve a hand clap, man, for that one. That I, I you know, that it, it says something. You know, it says that you're not quitting. <laughs> I'm sure there's been opportunities. I've been tempted. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we're going to be talking about, you know, these next couple episodes, it's uh, that time of the year during the month of October uh, where people are, are given to pastor appreciation. And what I've learned is that when it comes to the role of a pastor, there's a lot of... Uh, I don't know, ignorance is a hard word to say, but there's a lot of ignorance as well as misunderstanding that I have found when it comes to truly, you know, grasping a hold of the, the power and the magnitude of the gift that God gives us when it comes to not just pastors, but also, you know, ministers, teachers, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Um, and I really want us to dive into that subject matter today, um, you know, because God, you know, he tells us that. He's blessed us with different gifts. We know we have the gift of salvation, and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, let's let's step into this journey, and um, and I, I want to hear what what what's on your heart concerning that role of a pastor. What are the things that stand out when it came to you first grabbing a hold of what it is to to be a minister or a pastor? Well, when God, you know, God called me to open a church in San Luis Obispo, I argued with God because I told God, I said. I'm not, I'm not a pastor, you know, I'm not even sure I really like people all that much. <laughs> and so the thing of it is, is that God said to me, he says, well, are you going to do what I tell you to do? Or are you going to do what you do? Mm -hmm. And so I had to submit to that, but I will be honest with you that even, uh, being a man of faith, my faith was so tested because I was you know, kind of bashful about pursuing buildings and telling people things, uh, you know. And so it's a miracle that God worked with me and he provided a building and he provided the way and he provided an opportunity for me to start pastoring and learning uh, by doing. And I will be honest with you, it took years to learn how to flow with the Holy Ghost. In the beginning, as a student, you kind of mimic what other people have done before you mm -hmm. and what they've said. But the day came when I experienced the anointing of God coming out of my mouth. And it changed my whole, uh, my whole way of doing ministry because then I began to depend upon the power of the Holy Ghost Amen. to speak through me. Amen. The anointing is what is attractive 
to people. It's not your personality so yeah. much because, you know, personalities are a dime a dozen. Yeah. But the anointing of God, it separates you from the norm. Isn't that the truth? You know, I, I remember when, you know, the Lord had told me that I was called into the ministry and that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. And, and you know, and there was definitely a, a, a season of preparation mm -hmm. for that. And I remember knowing that without the anointing, if if that's not present, we're not gonna we're not gonna move anything. We're not gonna change anybody's lives. That's true. And uh, and I remember my prayer then is the same prayer that I have today. Anytime I minister, I pray and I say, Lord, you know, you need to use me today because if you don't, I'm gonna look bad. But you're gonna look worse. <laughs> I'm like, you're you know, release, Lord, your power, Lord. This is all about you, and you have to learn to really become dependent like you said upon him because it's not about charisma it's not sure. about you know how much flair you can have or how good looking you are you know it really comes down to the time that you've spent in the presence of God um, and and how much you've invested in yourself to, to qualify to do what you're doing right well I think that what we learn is that you learn to hear the voice of God but then you have to obey what he says and I remember when I first started the church, God told me to say something. And, I, you know, and he's talking to me, and I'm answering him in my mind because he told me to say something. And I said, I can't say that because if I say that, those people that are sitting on the back row, they're going to leave. And so he says to me, do you work for them or do you work for me? Mm, God. And so I said what he told me to say, and that bigger in life, they left. But, you know, I learned that my dependency had to be upon God. It could not be dependent upon what I knew. I was a manager in life. Mm -hmm. And so I knew about business principles, and I knew about building people from a, a secular perspective. But, boy, that, that whole learning curve all changed because then... You had to walk in love continually, mm. and you had to help people even when they would fall and then fail and even maybe even turn against you for a moment. Yeah. But you would hang in there with that love, which is the same love that Jesus has shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Mm. And so, man, the teaching about you know, listening to the Holy Spirit and, and being obedient to do what he says to do. Man, that's the greatest thing in the world. That's what makes ministry worthwhile. Yeah. It really does. It I, I tell everybody that if you can own what you're thinking, what you're meditating on, if you can own it, the Holy Spirit will use it. Uh -huh. He's just looking for someone that's yielded, right? Yeah, the Bible right. says, the yeah. eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for somebody to show himself strong, and I think what's awesome is that, you know, it is such a privilege and, and an honor for God to call us into the ministry. And we know that he says he doesn't use, you know, the wise things. You know, he uses foolish things, you know. I don't think it's any more I, foolish. I fit in that category. I do too. I qualify, I qualify for that. And I think that's why he gives us strong wives to help us in that. It takes a special woman to be a pastor's wife. And we talked about that in our last episode. And, you know, but to know that, that God knowing what you had become because of sin, he never forgot what you were created to be before sin. 
And that's what I love about God is that, you know, the Bible says before we were even in our mother's wombs, he knew us. Before the foundations of the world, he called us. You know, and he gave us that, you know, he surnamed us. You know, we were already a part of the family. And he already seen us at our best before sin, you know, right. uh, contaminated us when we were born. Right. And I think that's the thing that he doesn't give up on is knowing that I've seen you better than you are right now. And when we make that decision to turn towards him, that is when the adventure of faith begins. Yes. You know, the moment you step on that path. And I always tell people when it comes to your calling, it's not your decision, it's your discovery. It is. And I think that's why it's so important that people have a pastor in their life because pastors are anointed to help uh, be a spiritual compass in helping people find out who they are so they can fulfill that purpose that God has for them and for them to continue to grow in their relationship with Him. And, you know, you have uh, some experiences that not everybody, um, you know, uh, has had. And one of the facts that, you know, you were... You were uh, brought up in a, in a wonderful family. You had a good father and mother, and your father was very successful uh, in business, and God calls him into the pastorate. And there was a, there was a, a mindset back then concerning ministry, um, and for you to come forward and be the, the pastor that you are, um, man, it, it took growing through some things and relearning some things. Um, why don't you share a little bit about those experiences? Because you were a PK. Yeah. Well, you know, I, my my mother and father, uh, they had a, a store on the beach in Capitola, which is up by Santa Cruz. And we lived in a beautiful home on the cliff overlooking the ocean, had a private beach and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, you know, well, I'm just a kid, so I don't, I don't know anything about wealth or anything like that. I just knew that we had new cars every year and we lived in a beautiful home and had it made, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I remember my, my dad standing up in the assemblies of God church in Hanford, which my grandparents had actually been one of the four founding families of that church. Amen. And so my dad stands up, there was a missionary and he came through and he's talking about the need of ministry. And I was just a kid. But I remember my father standing up. He was on the right, you know, facing the, the uh, platform, the podium. My dad was, and my mom were sitting over on the right-hand side. I was sitting with my grandparents on the back row, my grandmother. And my dad stood up with tears, and he was bawling like a baby. It still gets me today. And he says, today, I accept the call of God upon my life. Well, within a matter of, I don't know, a couple of months, the business was sold, the house was sold, even the house that we had in Hanford, it was sold to one of my aunts, and we ended up going to an Indian reservation in Lone Pine, California, pulling all of our possessions in a cotton trailer that was right off the property that I live on right now, Road 148 Delary. Wow. And the car overheated into Hatchapee, and then we went all the way down 395 to Lone Pine. And our house was a three-walled shack, and the church was a tent on an Indian reservation. How old well, were you at that time? I, I was probably seven. Oh, wow. So the only thing that I knew, you know, truthfully, about ministry was just, 
nothing because I just was following my mom and dad. But we went from having everything to having having to believe God for everything. And so one experience after another, God would reveal himself by supplying the need. But my mother and father, boy, they were sowers. And I remember sitting in a, a Youth for Christ rally in Bishop, and they were raising monies for, uh, you know, for missions. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they did. And my dad had one thing left in his life, and he had a black onyx ring with a diamond. And I'll never forget this. My dad took that ring off, and he put that in the offering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, he wouldn't even receive from the church the things that they wanted to bless him with because he always thought about the church first and about the needs of the people and about him not getting into any area of pride. So, you know, the saddest part of it is is that um, when we come out of that kind of mentality, because if you read the John G. Lake's books, Mm -hmm. he did exactly the same thing. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was pretty much a universal thought across the board to where people thought that in order for you to be a man of God or a woman of God, that you had to be poor, that you had to have nothing. You did. And I, I remember the first time I was exposed to that kind of um, mentality, it was shortly after me and my wife had gotten given our hearts to the Lord. And I remember it was 1992, and, uh, at the end of the year. And I remember the, the little church that we were going to in Blythe, California, a little Assembly of God church. The pastor told me, he goes, hey, well, I want to show you guys something. And so we walked out from the church and he took us down the street. And we started walking down the street. We went around the block and there's this beautiful black Silverado pickup there on the side of the road. He goes, this is my new truck. And I was like, wow, pastor, this is, this is amazing. This is beautiful. I was just so happy for him that he had this because his other car was this old beat up station wagon. And I was blessed that he had it. Mainly he hadn't been saved for maybe three months, maybe three months at that. And I remember I told him, well, why are you parking it over here? I, I thought it was because he didn't want nobody to ding the doors or, you know, at the church. And he said, um, he goes, not everybody's going to be happy. He said that I have a new vehicle. And I was like, I, it, it baffled me. I couldn't understand why anyone wouldn't want to see someone that was a blessing to their lives and their family be blessed. You know, because that pastor, God used him to help bring me to the Lord. God right. used him to help restore my marriage. God used him to help me to, you know, bring my children up in church. And, uh, but that was that mentality though. And, and he was a part of that generation like yourself that was walking out of that. He'd seen, you know, uh, people speaking against that. And it was ingrained sure it was. in us. I remember even becoming a young minister. We used to get these magazines from the denomination I was a part of. And they were to enhance your, your ministry. And I remember one of the things that they, they had an article in there on how to supplement your income as a pastor. <laughs> and they had ideas like, I can go and mow the people in our church's lawns. Right. Um, instead of having new clothes, uh, the people in the church could give me, I could do a shoe exchange where they can give me all their old shoes. And I'm like, and I remember I didn't know much, but I told my wife, I said, I know this is wrong. But it's a mentality. And I think that, again, people got away from the word versus, 
You know what I'm saying? They, they thought something had to look a certain way versus things being the way that God intended. And, um, and what's sad is that you have people like your father who are sold out to that calling. Right. And if that's the package that calling came in, you know, it's no different than those Christians that were fed to the lions. It's true. They were willing to give everything to be able to do that. And I think the thing that's different now, and I want your opinion on this, is that we understand that you have to have that same sacrificial life. You have to be willing to give everything to God. Right. But we understand that God doesn't want you to be without everything. That's true. How did things shift for you when it came to you stepping into that position of pastoring versus what you were? Because usually what you what you live in is what you live out. What 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 made a change for you? Well, I mean, I you know, when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1975, man, I was moneyed up. And I had just bought a brand new Porsche Targa. I seen that Porsche. And um, you know, I mean, I was full of self, man. I mean, I I would drive Matter of fact, even when I came to Visalia in 1980, I would drive downtown Main Street so that I could see myself in the windows <laughs> on Main Street. That's not vanity, is no, it? No, no, It's just happy that God has blessed me, you know. It's because you got that good skin, that beautiful hair. And this man had a mustache that, <laughs> God, you were graced with it. And brother. I had this long, flowing hair, man. I had an afro and, a, you know, I was cool looking. You know, you still are, man. But I got saved. But anyhow, I uh, I heard we had a, a party come over to the church. I mean, over to our house in Riverside, and I heard the pastor's wife make a comment. Uh, I was in another room, but I heard her make this comment to some other people, and they just said, "You know, Daryl is rich." You know, it almost embarrassed me in a sense because I just thought, gosh, is that the way people are going to see me, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I had to be willing to give everything up that I had accomplished in the world in order to start over and live by faith. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a learning curve because to go from the mentality of having nothing to having everything... And then have to be able to submit that thing, to lay that on the altar, like it says in Romans, the 12th chapter, to lay it on the altar. I remember when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I told the Lord this. I just said, Lord, I don't want anything standing in the way between you and me. So I give you my job, my house, my car. I give you everything. Mm -hmm. Within seven days, after 23 years in the grocery industry, I lost my job. It wasn't coincidence. No, it wasn't because I prayed that prayer. You know, I needed help after that because I started freaking out because, you know, I had made, you know, I had made, I was making a good living. Yeah. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that I wouldn't trade one moment, even all the negatives and that happened as pastoring, I wouldn't trade one of those things for anything because the joy of doing what you're called to do is worth everything. I don't care if you got to give it up. I don't care if you got to sacrifice. I don't care if you got to lay your insurance down or if you got to lay down your house payments or whatever in order for the church to move forward. It's all worth it. 
because mm-hmm. God is the one that takes note of everything that we do in our life. It's true. It's so true. Now, I believe in God because we've been taught different. Yeah. So I believe in God that all of the stuff that my mother and father did, I'm going to reap a harvest off of that because that was seed sown. No, absolutely. And that's the thing is that, you know, and that's what's beautiful about God is that, you know, if as givers, you know, you're going to be a receiver. And I think with the mentality like what you would, you know, like your parents were were, um, operating in, I know God showed up and answered their faith as you were sharing, you know, to where, you know, because anytime you're generous, God is going to bless you. And uh, back then, it's just they'd just give it all away. God sure. would give more, but then they'd give it all away. And it was always for the benefit of others. And I think that's the quality of a pastor because, the, uh, what did, you know, what did Jesus say? That, you know, he's going to give us shepherds. You know, a, a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Sure. And that's what we do as pastors. People have no idea, unless you've been a pastor, you have no, you can't comprehend the level of sacrifice that is given for the flock. A true shepherd will be willing to lay it all down. It's true. And uh, it, it comes with a price tag, but it's absolutely worth it. Amen. Because you see the benefits of lives being touched and changed. I mean, when it comes to ministry and being a pastor, man, we have front row seats. We do. And seeing how far the love of God will go to reach people and to be conduits of that. Uh, it, it's such an amazing thing. I mean, it's it comes with its uh, challenges, but it also comes with its graces because, you know, it's like yesterday. You know, we were at a funeral yesterday together for a two-year-old girl that had uh, been a part of our church that had passed, you know, over into heaven. And in the midst of this this loss, you know, you've seen the love of God yesterday ministering to this sure. collective group of people, family and friends you seen the Holy Spirit just touching them in, 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 a, in such a beautiful way. But you know what? So much of it was accomplished by those ministers that were just imparting peace and imparting the right. Word of God right. uh, you know, into their understanding and into the situation they were at. And it just, it just blessed me to be there to be a part of it. But it's like we're there for that, you know. But we're also there for, you know, those other elements, you know, like when life's brought into the world. You know, and sure. families are growing and you're baptizing them and marrying them. And, you know, it truly is a beautiful thing. And I think that, you know, with, you know, people in the day that we're living in, I think that if we can truly come to a place where we understand the role that a pastor plays um, in their life, man, there are so many benefits that come with that. Well, you know, you know, Josh, you know. I know that's not the title that you go by, but you're my no, friend. Oh, you're my friend. Yeah, you can okay. call me whatever you want, man. You're... So, the, so the thing of it is, is that, you know, you're a good pastor. You know, I'm I'm a critic when it comes to men and women of God that have a position that their attitude is, their attitude needs to get saved. Yeah, I understand what you mean. But, you know, I have, I've watched you because we've been around here for a few years, you know. Yeah. Thank God. And the thing of it is, is I really appreciate the love that you walk in. Because truthfully, if you read scripture, without that love for the sheep, you're not really a pastor at all. It's true. You know, I I heard uh, George Pearson, Pastor George Pearson say this. And he got it from somebody else. And and I'm just going to say, I always say it now. But he said, "A, a pastor without love is a butcher. Yeah, it is. You know, and I remember when God called us to, you know, to plant, you know, our first church, 
he told me before anything, he said, love will be the key ingredient to the ministry success. He said, because anything that's done for the love of God will always be empowered by God. And I think it's important for people to have shepherds that have a heart like Jesus has for the church. You know, we're, we're married to the church. And we should be willing to do everything we can to, to put love out there in front of them. Because, if, if there's, I mean, let's be honest. There's some people, if they don't get love from, you know, some folks, the only place where they find love is in the house of God. I mean, you think about how many men and women over the years that you've ministered to that the only father's love they ever known came from you. The only uh, affirmation they ever received from a parent was from you, their spiritual father. That's true. And it's it's such a vital thing. And I, I think that, you know, when we get into the next episode, I really want to dive into that role of the pastor. Okay. But I felt like it was so important for us to just kind of talk about some of the misunderstandings that pastors have had about themselves. and. Just some of the challenges, you know, that you do step into to step into this role because it, it is, it, it's all experiential. You can't read a book that prepares you for what we do. That's true. I mean, it takes conversations like this, but it takes a lot of living and doing in ministry. And so we just want to thank you for being a part, amen, of this episode today. Amen. And uh, just so honored to have my best friend inside the studio with us. And uh, we just hope that if you haven't watched any of the other episodes, go back, do some binge watching, catch up on it. And we look forward to seeing you again here with us. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.